Hey team of Eternal Optimists, it's Matt Drinkon here. And before we launch into today's epic conversation, I've got a big announcement. Drum roll, please. My brand new book is coming out on March 8th. And perhaps even better news, you can get it for only 99 cents on Amazon that day. We don't run ads on the show. And if you ever want to give back and support the Eternal Optimist community, go to Amazon on March 8th and get the Kindle version for only 99 cents. Just search for the book title, The Eternal Optimist. It's never too late. And you can download it directly to your device. Now, let's get to the show. Hello and welcome to the Eternal Optimist podcast. My name is Matt Trenkon, and I am your Eternal Optimist host today and your guide on this journey. As we learn how to be resilient, we learn how to let hope take hold and turn that into a strategy with tangible actions. Friends, before I share with you the story today that is absolutely going to blow your mind, I want to advise and remind you to join me on Instagram and Facebook every morning at 7 a.m. Eastern Time live where I mind my live stream, I share thoughts, tips, hopes, ideas of the Eternal Optimist lifestyle. And I love for you to give me that rating and review on the Apple, on the Spotify. Go to that wherever you listen to your podcast and leave a nice review. You are much appreciated. Now today's episode, and I'm going to cut through to the punchline of this amazing story first. Get to it right away as I introduce my brother from another mother, Mr. Leo Popic. This story will blow your mind. Here's the punchline. In COVID, Leo lost his entire business, a family member, friends, his livelihood, everything, and he came back. This is a redemption story if I've ever heard one. Leo lives as an eternal optimist. He embodies who we are as good as anyone I've ever met. You might not sense that behind this smile and this positive energy is the man who had it all taken away and then he came back. You might not sense that. When you get to know him though, you'll know this is as genuine and authentic as it gets and Mr. Leo, and he's amazing. Words cannot express how much I respect this man. He kept it together when many would have given up on life. Get ready to go down the rabbit hole with a shocking story of immigration, of success, failure, COVID, death, rebuilding, rebirth, and a shining light of a human being leading the way for us. Hello, and welcome to the Eternal Optimist Podcast, the show for optimists by optimists. This is the show for people who see the good in the world and want to make a positive difference in the lives of their families and communities. Each week, you'll hear inspiring stories that will get you thinking bigger and playing more offense in life. With your host and high-performance coach, Matt Drinkon. And with that introduction, I welcome to the show today a dear friend, Mr. Leo Popic. Leo, how are you doing, brother? I'm doing great, Matt. Honored to be here, man. Love it. I love the answer. What you didn't say was... I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I don't like that answer. I love, I'm doing great. Honored to be here. That is the kind of energy I loved. And that's why I want you on the show. I remember the very day that I met you, we were at a front row dad's retreat and we got together before the duck pin bowling or whatever that weird game was where the balls were smaller and the pins were smaller and we threw them as hard as we can. I remember that conversation and that's why I wanted to 
spend some time with you today because your story is so rich and compelling. You're such a learner. You pour into people so well. I love your energy. We can just start off right now. This is a I love Leo love fest. There's just so many things about you that really connected with me, make me want to be around you more. And I know from what you shared then that you've overcome some challenges and you've had some stuff. And I would love to gift our audience with just the gift of getting to meet you and hearing about your stuff, hearing about your life, your business. And yeah, that's awesome. why. And uh, great, yeah, great yeah, reason. Man. Great reason. I loved your energy from the get-go. And I was the new guy at that retreat. You were an incumbent. I was coming in for the first time. That was the first event of the entire weekend retreat or week-long retreat. And you came to me, this stranger, to welcome me into the community. I love those kinds of people. But you didn't just say, hey, how are you? You were like, sit down. What are your goals for this retreat? What are you trying to achieve here? How can I help you achieve them? And I'm like, am I getting a coaching session for free? And then I realized that's just who you are. <laughs> that's just you. That's just you as a dude. You never connected with me afterwards to see if you want to be a client or anything. It was just like, this is you. And then I've seen you several times since then at so many summits and online events and posting stuff and everything. And you're just that same dude. And everything you've ever shared has totally resonated with me. So we are soul and philosophical buddies at some deep level. Oh, yeah, man. I love it. You brought something up a second ago. You said that you were the new guy and I was the incumbent. And my brain raced when you said incumbent. It went to, man, I feel presidential or senatorial right now as the incumbent. And if I were the incumbent and I were in government right now, then what I might look at is what's the message that I'm putting out there as the leader if I'm senator, congressman, president. I don't think this is a political conversation we're having. It's more of a leadership conversation in my mind is if I am a leader of some type of group, be it my family, be it clients, be it front row dads, any group of people that are looking for some type of vision or leadership, then what is it that we are sharing with them? You know, so I'd pose that firstly of totally off script. What's the vision or the place that we as leaders might want to project out there to people? First of all, it's really hard to think of oneself as a leader. I think of myself more as a person. I don't define myself as a leader. It turns out that life has put me in a leadership role in a variety of different ways realms of life, right? With my business, with other businesses that I'm involved with that are not maybe my core focus, but I have ownership in with activities in society, church groups, front row dads, and other type of communities like that. Our sport, I ended up being my, my kid's basketball coach at the Y and I never played basketball. So we end up in all these leadership roles. I joined an organization called BNI and they made me VP of the chapter. I wasn't campaigning for it. These things just happen to us as opposed to us going out there and looking for them. So leadership roles come our way and I think the best way we can honor them is just really bring our A-game, which starts with our core values and our level of positivity and wanting to impact others for good and not make it about ourselves and being self-serving. Tough to do. We need daily reminders of that. I certainly do, but that's what helps me in all of those leadership roles. I'm with you. I like the way you frame that. Leaders, we may be thrust into that role intentionally or otherwise because of who we are, who we might be. And the two things I heard you say when you show up, if you're in a leadership role or just the way that you show up, I'm going to bring my A game. I'm going to live my core values. And I love that you're set on those things. That's your default is bring my A game 
and core values. And I love to just gift our audience with that to start. We're talking to a leader, a person first, a leader who leads with, I'm going to bring my A game and leader who leads with, I'm gonna live my core values. So I love that about you, Leo. Let's go back to maybe more of the script. Our guests are used to sharing challenges. So I know that we've talked a little bit about a challenge and still to give you the playground here, you can go all the way back to the beginning in the sandbox when you were a kid, you can go to right now, anywhere in your lifespan. I'd love to talk about one of the challenges that you faced. So please, I'll let you take it from here and frame it for us. Man, I've gone through so many challenges, Matt. And what really inspires me about your show is that I'm an eternal optimist myself, but I find myself constantly looking at challenges day in and day out. And I surround myself with people who take on challenges. That's to me, the way to live this life is rather than shy away from them to tackle them head on. Now, I always, I didn't always have this positive outlook on every challenge that came my way. There have been a fair share of challenges that I just was like, why me? Why this circumstance? Why did this have to happen? Let's just jump right in and grab one, for example. Something really unique about my story is I'm actually an immigrant who's felt American his whole life. I, I grew up here, lived in St. Louis, Missouri when I was a kid. And then I came back here, did grad school in Boston. Now I live in Florida. I've been living here for six and a half years. I'm a permanent resident, and I'm going to become a U.S. citizen in about a year. Yeah, this reality of having been coming back and forth for a long time was strange for me and how it affected my life, because it was in this country that I started to really feel as a human being. I was 10 when I moved here, so I grew up till the age of 16, and those were the first years that I remember vividly, where I formed my first real relationships with friends, girlfriends, enjoyed life at its best, but then... That was taken away from me. My parents moved back to our country of origin, Argentina, and they said, we're going to settle down here. And that's that. So I couldn't do high school at the end of high school and college in the States. I couldn't build my life here. I knew that if I came here, I'd have to distance myself from them. And this was pre-internet, pre-being able to speak on the phone for free. So I had a big struggle there with my identity. And like, I'm an American who's going to live his life in Argentina was what I went through in my late teens and my 20s. But fast forward 20 years, because then I built my life in Argentina. I got married there, had my child there. Then I moved to Brazil. I had two kids in Brazil. And I was always doing business with the United States. I was always flying over here, coming here. I was coming here for vacations. I was trying to live that life that way. But inside, I was feeling that disconnect that I would watch TV shows that were American. I would listen to American music every single day. But I was living there in South America. And one of the most challenging things that I went through is that when I moved here six and a half years ago to Florida with my wife and three kids, I thought that getting the green card was going to be a breeze. I have a master's degree from Harvard <laughs> University, I have businesses in the United States that have been paying taxes, all these things, right? I grew up here and it was a nightmare. I went through Whew. three years of not knowing if it was going to come or not and if we're going to have to leave the country. And that was hard. Like, promise you there were moments where I was like, if this country doesn't give me a green card, like that's it. I am never going to try to live here. I'm out. And it was like, why this circumstance? Why me? And I did at, at moments kind of lose it. I was like down and out about the circumstance. If we could dive in a little bit. I love the seriousness of where we are, but I've got to go back to something not as serious just for a moment. You're living between Argentina. You've been to Brazil. 
live here, Boston, Florida. I'm just thinking about television shows in each of these different countries. Are they running the same shows in every country with the same types of actors? So, for example, they've got friends here in the United States. Is there an Amigos in Brazil or in Argentina and something else? What's the difference between the shows? And do you prefer U.S. or Argentinian shows? So I've always preferred U.S. shows, U.S. movies, U.S. music by far, which doesn't mean I don't have a Argentinian movie that I like here and there or song or artist, but it's 95% U.S. And yes, You'll find a version of like Friends in, in Argentina or in Brazil, not okay. through the franchise with the rights that Warner Brothers or whatever might have, but a local creative will do something similar. But it didn't appeal to me. It, culturally, I didn't fit in. I tried my best because I'm like, my parents are staying here. I don't want to be that far from my siblings. And mm-hmm. I really tried to integrate to society to the point that I even got involved in public service. I was in politics in my 20s in Argentina. I held public office. I did politics, wow. started a political party, was a candidate. But ultimately, something inside of me was in a big disconnect. And yeah, I felt like I was an intruder in this space. I was trying to overcompensate for the fact that I didn't have that much of a feeling of being from there. So my life was out of balance, for sure. Well, it feels challenging from where I sit because you were here from 10 to 16. Your family was here, and then you had to go, and then you came back, and you're still in the process right now of getting the green card, and I think you just shared that- No, it's, I have the green card. Like a, I have the green oh, card. Oh, the green years. card, but getting citizenship right. is next. Yeah, right. The green card, it took three years- Three years. To get that, and that was a very hard- three years just from that perspective. Yeah. What, was, what was hard or challenging about that? Because I don't, I don't have a frame. I don't understand that. So help us understand what happened. Okay. So I came here with a business that I started. And the first thing that happens when you go into that process is that you have to first apply for a work visa. And your work visa is for a year and then you have to renew it. So you can't start renewing until it's almost expired. So you're always wondering what happens if when I apply, it doesn't get renewed simultaneously you have to go in and do the green card legal fees are through the roof if you want trustworthy reputable lawyers to do this stuff for you i'm talking like i invested seventy thousand dollars in different legal seventy thousand dollars but that's like the least of the concerns that i had i was told if you want to get your work visa renewed you got to hire seven americans this was the higher American era of U.S. I'm talking 2017 to 2020, you know, the Make America Great Again year. So I was told you have to hire a lot of Americans right now in order to get your visa renewed. I hired people that cost my company hundreds of thousands of dollars a year of salary that I didn't need. That put strain in my company's finances and performance and ability to reinvest and grow. I ended up hiring in haste. So I brought in the wrong people. There was one guy who, when I had to let him go, I was concerned about his mental health. I thought he could get very violent. So I couldn't go into the office for six months. And I was really disconnected, not only from my team in 10 different countries, but now even from my team just down the block from where I'm living. I'm dealing with these things while we're seeing shootings all over the place. So I'm like, this is new to me. I'm in a new kind of environment for me. While this is all happening, my lawyer says you can't leave the country for months at a time because your process is ongoing. And my business was always counting on me to show up in different places because it was an international corporate event organizer. Clients would want to see me at trade shows or at their big events. So the disconnect was total. And to make matters worse, 
the C-suite of the company that I built over many, many years was counting on me to get my green card so that I would then start working on their green cards or at least work visas so they could come here. And because they saw that mine wasn't coming through, they knew that I wasn't going to start petitioning for theirs to come through, which essentially meant that their days in the company were numbered because I was going to eventually cease trying to bring them over and rather replace them. So they started having a little bit of a disconnection with the company. It was like everything is falling apart. And I did not see that happening at all when I made my plan to come. I thought it was just going to be like when you go on vacation, you bring your laptop and you keep working. Nothing changes. Wow. When you started this story and you said $70,000, that's like the minimum cost to continue throughout this process just to have reputable attorneys to help you draft this. And then you kept building and then you have to hire seven Americans and then you are having trouble with the disconnected C-suite because they're not going to be able to get in. All the things that you're doing, it sounds like it's a full-time business just to try to get in here. And I'm not trying to make it easy. I'm not trying to frame it as, hey, let's bring everyone in the whole world in here. It just sounds so hard it was uh, to get here. so <laughs> hard. And to make matters <laughs> worse, because I just told you the business aspect of it all. On the personal side, because we couldn't leave the country, when my wife lost the most important person outside of our core family, who was her grandma, that she spent an hour on the phone with every day for as long as I had known my wife. She couldn't even be with her in the final months of her life. She was calling and saying, can't you come? And we were making that very big decision that staying here was that important to us that we couldn't sacrifice anything. My wife's grieving after her grandma passed away was that much more difficult because she wasn't able to show up for her, not even attend her funeral. It would have ended up taking like a year after the death for my wife to at least go back to Argentina and see her siblings and cousins and be able to at least grieve with them the loss of that woman who had been the core of their entire family. It threw her into a depression. It wasn't just grieving at that point. So while I was dealing with all of this work stuff and financial stuff, I'm dealing with my wife being in this situation and me needing to really step it up for her and having to not know how to step it up. Because if anything, I was being more pulled in different directions than ever before. So this was probably the most challenging period of my life. Man, thank you for sharing this story. So help me understand, is this 2017 to 2020? Is this during COVID? Where is this exactly on the frame of things? Yeah, so 2017 is when we came through 2019. We actually got the green card on the last day of the decade. It came into our house on December 31st, 2019. And my wife's grandma passed away on May 29th of that year. All of that year was really when this was at its height. But it carried into 2020, and what really brought the challenge to a whole new level is that right after we get the green card, our celebration is short-lived because COVID comes in our business, which I've been dedicating myself full-time to for 17 years and had gone from scratch, from zero, to selling over a million dollars a month, went to nothing. Now came in a whole new array of challenges, letting go of people that had taken us blood, sweat, and tears to find the team, to integrate as a team, letting go of our offices, telling clients that we were hoping to survive this. Then I start my own process of soul searching. What am I going to do with my life? Do I really want to wait four or five years till the world is ready to do big international corporate events? 
if all goes according to plan and the vaccine is effective and everybody takes it and so on, is that something that I want to do? And so we're dealing with all of these economic and financial challenges at the same time as I'm having to do the soul searching as my family's provider, because my wife had put her career on the back burner to focus on helping me grow our business. Take me to March 2020, please. March, April 2020, when everything goes locked down and you're running at a million dollars a month, you've got the green card here, you're ready, you're ready to take off. I'm ready at that point. We are working with the accountant to create that tax return for 2019 to go to the banks and finally say, hey, I'm a green card holder, so give us a line of credit because we had never had access to any sort of financing of any kind. Beautiful moment. It's finally going to happen. My wife, I was like, thank you for your patience over the last three years. Now we're going to see it all come into fruition. And a week later, we hear about this thing happening in Asia and in Europe. And we're like, oh, great. Clients now want to come to Latin America. I mean, that's how naive we were about what was going on. Like, why are the clients all saying, we got to cancel our event in Asia. We're going to bring it to Latin America, which was great for us because we only operated in Latin America. We had people in 10 different Latin American countries, 100% of our operation was there. And it lasted for about a week because a week later they were saying, oh no, actually we're not gonna bring it to Latin America. This is not gonna happen. I went from that feeling like now we can finally take the company from eight digit to nine digit revenue to that feeling of, I need to sell this before it's worth nothing. I got on a plane on March 10th, went to New York to see the two clients that I thought, might be able to buy it really quickly because they had been talking with us about acquiring us for years. And we had been saying, we're not ready to be acquired. I told them, if you want it, make an offer right now. And they're like, what? We're dealing with the same thing you are. We don't know this is going to be an industry for years. So thanks, but no thanks. Took the plane back. I'm like, oh my gosh, I was just in New York in a plane without mask when The very next day that I was there, we were told you have to wear a mask, you have to do this, that, or the other. That's what was happening. I went back to my office here in Florida. We live close to Fort Lauderdale. I went to the office. All of a sudden, I felt like the world was falling on me, that everything was crumbling all around me. Everything I knew, everything I had worked toward for 17 years was just coming apart at the seams. My wife, when she heard me on the phone being so distraught, was like, come home. When I came home, she said, you're not going back to that office. You could still go to the office. This was a week before lockdowns began. You're not going back. You need to stay here next to me. And that's when I started to see things from the perspective of at least I've got my family. That was the start. Go back to basics and you value most important things. It gives you a sense of what is core to you. That's when all that busyness of business disappears And you are able to envision your life, even though I was only 46, as if you are a 90-year-old looking back at his life. Yes. Wow. We didn't go this deep into the story when we met. And I just love you and appreciate you for sharing this. I cannot even begin to imagine, as the true eternal optimist, when things are falling apart in the business, you realize, got my family and I've got my health. And that baseline foundation mentality of I've got that. So we're at that moment right now. You've got them. The business is in the process over or has crumbled. And you're great at your business. And through no fault of your own, what you are the very best at 
which has been providing food on the table for a long time, now is gone. What happens next in March, April, May? How do we regroup and keep moving forward, Leo? First of all, this was all gut-wrenching. As an eternal optimist, even looking at my family and our health and valuing that, this was still gut-wrenching. I still had clients saying, send me the money back from the deposits we sent you for the event. I had vendors disappearing, not answering phones, not answering emails. They couldn't go to their offices. All of this happened over the course of a week or two. And just being that middleman of just not knowing what to do, what was right. Obviously, we have contracts and they have force majeure clauses that says that if something completely out of nowhere happens, nobody is responsible. So the corporate lawyers that I consulted with said, you have no responsibility, you're upholding your contracts, you know, you're totally covered by force majeure. But I still felt an obligation because these were clients that had looked me in the eye several times and said, I'll trust you with my business. And this was a team that I had a personal relationship with. To me, that mattered. I couldn't just imagine myself folding the business and say, all right, whatever. I had to deal with coming up with a new plan for how I was going to provide for my family and have an impact in the world and do work that made me want to wake up in the morning, while at the same time feeling like I couldn't just close the chapter and walk away and say, all right, I'll declare bankruptcy. And that was a challenging moment for me. Because when you reinvent yourself from a clean slate, it's much easier than when you have something that you feel you're not ready to let go of. And at the same time, I'm asking myself, am I not being able to let go of this because I don't want to admit failure? Is this my ego getting in the way? What are the reasons? So a lot of questioning of that. But eventually, Matt, what happens is the reality sets in that I have to think about the future. I have to start building the future. And my wife is a life coach. She had just started working at that time. She was at that time more focused on personal. Now she's working more with female executives and corporations. And she starts seeing me as a great person to start helping through. And she starts asking me great questions about my passion, my purpose, my why. I start getting into that world of start with why, Simon Sinek and all of the works around purpose. And I started asking myself, what is my purpose? So I had this opportunity to come up with what I wanted to do for the rest of my life, or at least in the biggest chapter of my life that was going to start now that I did have a green card, now that I could firmly say, we're here, we're here to stay. I know I've been an entrepreneur for 20 years, but do I want to be an employee somewhere? Do I want to go into government? Do I want to go into the United Nations? Do I want to be in a nonprofit? I could start as if I was a kid again. And through that process, which had to be accelerated. It's not like the process that I did while I was in college where I had all the time in the world while I studied to figure it out. This had to be really quick. I started narrowing it down, narrowing it down, narrowing it down until I finally said, yes, I definitely want to start a business. I definitely want to work with people and bringing them together like I've done through the events that we've organized. But I want to create the content around those interactions and those events. Whereas in the past, My business was about bringing together the vendors and doing the logistics. I wanted to come up with the architecture of how the community was going to engage. And eventually I realized I want to work serving CEOs and entrepreneurs because that's who I know best how to serve. And so I might not have the authority now to do it, but I need to build that authority based on what I've done in the past and based on 
the idea that I have, the value proposition that I have for the company I want to start. Wow. Okay. And now our sponsor for the day will be one of our reviewers from Bailey FM. A great way to start your day. Five stars. Such a great uplifting podcast. Matt is a great host and knows how to get to the heart of things. The Eternal Optimist is encouraging, inspiring, and it's truly a great way to start your day. A must listen. Well, thank you very much, Bailey FM, for that wonderful review. You are much appreciated, my friends. I'd like to invite everyone out there to pause and rate, review, and share this podcast. Who is one person you can share this with today who may enjoy a story of overcoming challenge, who may find it very intriguing? Who's that one person? Please pass along to someone today. Thank you so much, my friends. Let's take it back for a second here. We've gone through a lot of hard stuff right there to get to a place where you are now searching to find your passion, your core, your why, you're studying, you're reading, you are enlisting the help of your wife. Kudos to you. My wife always says if she tries to coach me or I coach her, that, that's just, that's the street that we, we don't walk down that street very easily. <laughs> it wasn't easy. Uh, but you, it wasn't easy. <laughs> She sounds like an amazing woman. She's awesome. an amazing woman. It was, but still, it wasn't easy. There was a lot of pressure. Yes. So you've come up with an architecture to coach, lead, connect with people, the life of a CEO, the thinking of those types of leaders. So bring us forward to your vision now and where we are now in your world and what you're impacting, Leo. For the last two and a half years, almost three years now, I've been building and I am building a community called Leading Peers for people who are leading companies. These are CEOs and entrepreneurs that want to learn and grow with other peers, other leaders of companies. We're building a community for entrepreneurs that want to evolve, that want to achieve better results in business and in life. And it's a place where ideas are exchanged, information is exchanged, but at the core, it's about creating connection and collaboration amongst people who are like-minded and that we share certain core values, trust, accountability, a growth mindset, meaningful relationships, and servant leadership. Today, we are 55 CEOs and owners in the community. That number has grown quite a bit. Just this year, we started it with 48 and we acquired seven new members this year. Last year, we went from 10 to 48. So we're hitting a nice rhythm now where I'm hoping that by the time this episode comes out, let's say around March, April, we will be close to reaching 100 members because we're acquiring about 10, 15 members a month. Yeah, I'm on the website right now, leadingpeers.com. I love what I'm seeing. The first thing I always do when I go to a website is I look at the about section. I want to hear about these values. I want to see who the leaders are. You've done a nice job of that. So I like what I'm seeing so far. Tell us a little bit more. If someone were to get involved or have interest, then what's the process look like and what comes with being a member of Leading Peers, Leo? So being a member of Leading Peers is a lot like for you and me being a member of Front Row Dads, whereas in Front Row Dads, okay. what we put front and center is family and relationships, because at the core in Front Row Dads, we are family men with businesses, not businessmen with families. Core of Leading Peers is your leadership journey in and of itself. And so it is a space where you can come in and actually prioritize 
the challenges you're having as a leader, what's happening in your business or in your businesses. A lot of our members are involved with several businesses or they are investors in several while they're growing one of them. And they get to come and share in a very safe setting what's going on, where they need help, and everybody around them comes in to try to help them achieve what they're trying to. And it's about overcoming challenges. So we create that safe space for people to be vulnerable that are not used to being vulnerable. Because, you know, in Front Row Dads, we have a lot of people who are in the personal development space or who come from companies like Cutco, where they did a lot of training on how to achieve more by changing your mindset. At the core, oh, yeah. in leading peers, our members are typically people who've never been in a community like ours. And all of a sudden, they're sharing their financial results. Oh, this was my revenue last month. This was our company's profit last month. And this is how it's different from the 12-month average. And they're sharing that for the first time because maybe they don't share it with their employees. Maybe they don't go back home and, and share it. These people actually are asking me questions. Like I have a board of advisors now. So everything revolves around these pods in Leading Peers, which we call peer board or peer advisory board. And when you join Leading Peers, you join a specific peer advisory board. If you're not in one, you're not in Leading Peers because when you apply to a specific board and you're accepted into Leading Peers in that specific peer board. These are groups of eight people plus somebody that we assign as a peer board leader that's a person in our faculty and our staff. So it's not a member of the organization that runs the group. It doesn't rotate or anything. No, we certify these individuals through a certification process. Typically, they are consummate entrepreneurs, people who've been in the business world their whole life, who are now retired from the trials of day in and day out running businesses and want to give back and they want to continue to learn and be positively impacted while helping other people and pass along the torch of entrepreneurship to the next generation. If I may jump in, I feel like uh, I feel like I kind of want to be a member. I love what you're sharing. I'm not trying to tee you up for a sales pitch. We did not talk about this in advance, but I love what I'm hearing and I love you. So I want to ask questions. If the question that comes to mind might be when you're describing this, I know you and I think you're phenomenal and I'm hearing something that might be in a very similar, not the same, but a similar framework to like an EO organization or maybe a not this stage, but something like that where leaders get together. What might be the advantage or difference with leading peers compared to those other groups I may have mentioned? That's a great question. So I'll cut to the story. When I hit the pandemic, I was a member of Vistage and I realized, wow, this is now expensive for me. It was very inexpensive when the company was selling over a million a month. Now it's very expensive. So I had to exit Visage and I looked at EO and YPO and they required an annual commitment in advance. And I didn't feel like I wanted to do that. I was like, maybe I'll end up going back to Vistage or maybe I won't like EO. I was too old for YPO. You have to be 44 or younger. I was 46. It seems ridiculous, but that's fine. I know. But that's their prerogative. Because we are young. Right. Okay. But that's their prerogative. Visage is out. So the only one I could really look at was Yo. And Yo needed more than 10 grand for me to even walk in and see who I would be in a forum with. I thought, there's got to be a better way. I looked for it. I couldn't find it. So the biggest difference is our accessibility. If somebody wants to join Leading Peers, 
they can visit a peer board meeting for the first hour. During that first hour, we do certain things that don't involve total vulnerability. They're more about discussing a business topic and exchanging best practices and information. The visitor gets to see what that peer board looks like, who are the members, and they can decide if they want to join leading peers and if they want to join that specific board. And a visitor can visit three different peer boards. So they actually get to choose. Once they send their application to the specific board that they want, the board gets to choose if they get in or not. So it's a very different process. And once the board chooses them, they then have to pay $280. That's it. They pay their first month's fees. So they don't have to put in over 10 grand for the first year and the enrollment fees that EO charges. They just pay the monthly fee that they're going to have to pay every single month. It's a very different proposition, which makes people who are not ready to take that huge leap of faith of forking up 11500 to join EO for the first year to be able to do that in the case of leading peers. Because worst case scenario, I pay 280 I don't like it, I'm out. But you have the opportunity to see for yourself before you even apply who you're going to be in the board with. And not only do you pick them, they pick you back. So there's more likely to be trust and accountability and meaningful relationships happening as a consequence. That at the root, at the core, is a massive difference. Massive difference. And from where I sit, that's very appealing, the entire process, because I've been through the process with the other two groups mentioned, and I like those other groups, and ultimately chose not to join. And this sounds very accessible. Of course, they have to accept me too, but I like everything I'm hearing. And if I wanted to take part in this or kind of dive in, and right now I think I want to, how might I take the next step to to begin the process, Leo? So my contact information, I'm happy to share it. LP, my initials at leadingpeers.com is my email. So LP are the initials for Leo Popic, also for Leading Peers. So LP at leadingpeers.com. You can email me. You can go to our website. There's a contact form right there in the website where you can just fill it out if you go to contact, and then we'll get back in touch with you. Just express that you want to talk with somebody in our team. Then there is an application form online, but the application form is going to ask you which peer board do you want to join. That's the first question. And if you don't know the answer to that, that's when you know that you need to have a conversation with us first to say, what are my options? We're putting together new peer advisory boards as we speak. There's also virtual and in-person boards. We want to eventually have both options available throughout the world. Right now, unless you live in South Florida, it's best to be in a virtual peer advisory board, meeting online on Zoom, but you can still partake in the events that we do, which are in-person, which happen throughout the year. Just to let listeners know, I'm deadly serious about it. I just went and submitted my interest right now on the spot, and it took 10 seconds. Thanks to autofill on my <laughs> computer, but it, it was real simple. And thank you. Is there anything else that you like to share about leading peers? Leo, anything else come to mind before we move to the last section of our discussion today. Just that I'm very passionate about it. I'm very committed about it. I don't know if this is going to be what I do for the rest of my life, but ever since I took this position, this job, after that soul searching that I told you about, Matt, I feel if my life ended, God forbid, or I got sick and couldn't work anymore, this was the snapshot. This was the last picture that my kids would have, my wife would have of what Leo was dedicated to and my parents would have and everybody that's ever known me would it make me proud that I was working toward this? And the answer is yes. It would make me happy. I don't know if the word is proud. That I was trying to help entrepreneurs and business owners thrive, 
because I feel that they have so much to contribute. I feel that they take on risks. They put new ideas and visions out there to solve the world's problems. And if they succeed, their teams do well. You'll see our mission is to help CEOs succeed so their people and businesses prosper. How do we create that change? And a free society depends on you having a choice of who to buy from and where to work. And all of that at the root comes down to having a system where it works out for the entrepreneur. You're not always going to succeed, but there are resources out there to help you succeed. And at least to face those challenges without that loneliness that comes with sitting at the top that discourages so many and sends their whole life, not just themselves, into a tailspin when things unravel because business loses money or whatever, and all the bad things that come with that. So I'm really serving my purpose and just want to share with the audience that finding something to do that fuels your sense of purpose and makes you happy is probably the one thing I'm most thankful to have right now as a consequence of what all the challenges that I went through three, four years ago. Awesome. Thank you, Leo. And as I mentioned before, this is not a scripted conversation. I will say that just knowing you were coming in, I did not know to the depth of what you do and how you do it. And I'm incredibly excited about it. I already sent my application in there and I invite anyone out there to take a look at this because Leading Peer sounds awesome. And it sounds awesome to me simply because Leo is fantastic and I just connect with his energy. He truly is an eternal optimist. And Leo, if I may take you to ding, ding, the lightning round and ask you, yeah, but before that, if I can say something, Matt, <laughs> just real quick. Please. I always tell everybody who decides to apply, I'm honored that you're taking the leap of faith to join our community. But in your case, I'm especially honored because you are this amazing individual who is so warm, so passionate, energetic, so committed to your vision. You're so unique. And I've known you for a couple of years now, but you're just amazing. You're the type of person that I look up to, that I want to have as my friend. So I'm especially honored that Matt Drinkheim is potentially going to be a member of Leading Beer. So thank you for taking the leap of faith. Thank you. You're welcome. And thank you again. And uh, genuinely, everything you said, I mirror back to you. And I, at the beginning, I said this might be a Leo love fest. And it truly is that because you talk being genuine, authentic, being real, want to serve people. You've been that and you were that when... We didn't have an agenda with each other when we first met. It was just, let's get to know each other. You've, you've always been that way. And for our listeners, if you just kind of go back to the guts of the story here, here's a man who had built something on the back of blood, sweat, and tears himself and a number of other people. And due to circumstances that he could not control with the green card, for one, that was in itself a quagmire of challenge that he navigated. And then when we finally get through to the other side of that, with a lot of challenges that came with that, we then get to something even more out of our control, which was COVID, which impacted probably everyone listening to this. Here is yet another person that real live in the flesh that had a major challenge, major meaning an eight figure annual business shut down in overnight, literally overnight. Imagine that. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners can really relate to that. Thank you for having the courage to keep going and still be you and love you for that, brother. So awesome. Awesome. Here's what's next. We have a true eternal optimist in our midst today, team. So we're going to challenge. We're going to push him a little bit and see what he says here. Leo, I got three questions for you. Number one, what does eternal optimism mean to you, sir? It means to me that you believe that things happen for a reason, that life is not completely 
And I'm sorry to get philosophical, but that life is not completely pointless, that it's not completely random, that there is a purpose that we are meant to serve in the world. Some call it God, some call it the universe, some call it some other force. But to me, it's believing in that because that means that whatever challenge is thrown your way is something that is meant to happen and that you can tackle with that humility and curiosity of understanding why it was meant to happen. And as you work through it, as you learn from it, you have faith that you come out on the other side being a better person. And that is the hope that fuels the eternal optimist. Awesome. Thank you. Leo, I'm going to ask you to think only of English English songs or TV shows at this moment, because most of our listeners are mostly English-speaking. I am curious if there's a show or a song or both that inspire you, give you a little bit of energy, what might your show or your song be? My fight song's always been Eye of the Tiger since I saw Rocky III. No <laughs> question about it. I was falling asleep on my first date with my wife, and they had nothing to do with her. Whoa. I was just, yeah, that's a different story. But Whoa, I, wait a second. You did great the whole show. You talked great about your wife. Hold on, Mrs. No, no, she, she was in, My wife is incredible, and I knew it from the moment yeah. I saw her. Even through that blind date, I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe this woman even exists. I hadn't slept for 48 hours before the date. I tried to tell her before, I'm really not feeling well. I have blocked my Saturday night. It's now or never. So I showed up and I'm coming apart just (laughs) dead tired. And I actually played Eye of the Tiger as I was driving her back to the house. And it gave me that push of energy to be able to end on a high. If it wasn't for that song, I don't think that I'd have the three kids that I have with her and we'd be together 18 years later. So thank you to Eye of the Tiger, (laughs) a TV show that's really significant for me, one that wasn't too famous in the United States, but it's an American show. It's called Parenthood. Parenthood Mm. is a series my wife and I were watching as we were starting to become parents about 10, 15 years ago. And it became the model of the family we wanted to build. They have all sorts of challenges, the four kids, and the parents themselves of these four kids, who are also grandparents of their four kids' children, have a lot of issues to work through. But they've managed to keep the family united. They've managed to keep it together despite all those challenges, despite that he was a a war veteran and then got disconnected from his wife and had to go through some deep stuff. And so for us, that is what we want to build in this life. That's the family. That's the goal. If we achieve that with our family, everything else for us will fall into place. Awesome. Awesome. Man, that's some gold right there. The eye of the tiger. Thank you. (laughs) Eye of the tiger. (laughs) Yeah. Parenthood. My wife loves that show. We watched a couple of those together. She really dug it. I appreciate that. Last question would be, what might be a movie that inspires you? The first movie that really rocked my world, and you've never heard this response on a show in history, is Gandhi. I was nine years old. (laughs) I went to see Gandhi at a movie theater. I had no idea who this Indian dude was. This was so foreign to me, like looking at India in the 1940s and this guy going on a hunger strike and everything. But it just really blew up my mind entirely. It's like there's a whole other world out there, like a different way to live, a different way to think. And just this idea that they conquered independence without firing a single shot was really transformative to me because I was trying to find my source of strength and of power, my definition of where true power comes from as a nine-year-old boy. And I realized it lies within. Gandhi became my role model and eventually everyone else who followed Nelson Mandela, all these people that stood for freedom and human dignity, 
but without firing a shot to achieve that equality, to achieve that inclusion. That would be a more recent one. Okay. Awesome. Leo, this has been amazing, fantastic. I appreciate you for being here and sharing your story today. And to conclude, this is hard because I don't want to say goodbye because this has been so positive, energetic, and moving for me. We do need to conclude, however, and I'll give you the last word today. So if you can wrap us up here and share just what's on your heart, any message you want to share with the world, with our listeners about eternal optimism or anything, just last word to you, my friend. Every month we put a quote out there for leading peers. And this month we put a Winston Churchill quote, which is that success is being able to go from failure to failure without losing enthusiasm. And I feel that is the very definition of success. We're all going to have setbacks. I've told one period of my life that was challenging. I could have picked so many. I mean, right now I'm going through challenges right now that obviously we didn't have time to go into. But for the most part, my family is great. We're healthy. And spiritually, we've grown a lot in the last couple of years, joined some amazing groups of people and communities like Front Row Dads. I'm just loving what we're building day in and day out at work. So for the most part, just blessed and happy, even though all these challenges are happening, even as we speak. So that's it. I want to keep it real. It's not picture perfect. I still have a disagreement with my wife, although I love her to death and she's the love of my life. I still have a day or two where I'm like, what's going on with this daughter? And then I have to overcome it. And I still have my front row dad's band that's helping me work through those challenges. And I have good friends that are helping me and so on. But I think the main thing is we need each other. And for people who are going through challenging times, don't isolate yourself that's never the solution. The solution is love. The solution is openness. Go out and get the help that you need. It's there. And there's a lot of people that are just dying to help if you just are vulnerable and admit to them that you need them and you care about them. Thanks for listening to the Eternal Optimist podcast. You can check the show notes for information about today's episode. And please share the show with that friend who is wanting to think bigger. We'll see you next time.